In this episode of our series on high crimes associated with the gridiron, we're diving into a story that's both heartbreaking and inspiring. A tale that kept the Miami Hurricanes community on the edge of their seats for nearly 15 years. This isn't just about the football stats, it's a story of resilience, friendship, and the pursuit of justice. Join us as we unravel the pages of the Brian Sidney Potter story, A Journey Beyond the Field, in our Hail Marys to Homicides, case number three, coming up in just a moment. This is the Pigskin Daily History Dispatch, a podcast that covers the anniversaries of American football events throughout history on a day-to-day basis. Your host, Darren Hayes, is podcasting from America's North Shore to bring you the memories of the gridiron one day at a time. So as we come out of the tunnel of the Sports History Network, let's take the field and go no huddle through the portal of positive gridiron history with pigskindispatch.com. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello, my football friends. This is Darren Hayes of pigskindispatch.com. Welcome once again to the Pigpen, your portal to positive football history, and welcome to another edition of Hail Marys to Homicides. We are going to look at sort of the darker side of the gridiron, and a very tragic scene indeed is when the football community and the community at large loses a person of any age, but especially a young person with promising uh, traits that are going to make them be a very big part of society. In this case, we have a young man that was going to be a future star, possibly in the NFL, and uh, who already had some great success on the collegiate level. Born on August 12, 1984, Brian Potter was more than just a rising football star. He personified the perseverance and hard work. His passion for the game was evident as a child. And by the time he graduated from high school, he was well known as a formidable opponent. But Brian was more than tackles and scores. He was a complex person with a passionate interest in the outside world. Pata's gridiron journey through high school football started at North Miami High and lasted three years before culminating in a standout season at Miami Central High School. His exceptional talent wasn't just noticed, it was celebrated. Super Prep Magazine named him to their All-America team and ranked him among the nation's elite defensive linemen at number 26 in the country. When Brian was a college student at the University of Miami, he skillfully combined his love of football with his academic interest. He was studying the complexities of crime and justice off the field, not just chasing tackles while majoring in criminology. The Miami Hurricanes towering defense alignment was a force of nature. From 2003 to 2006, he carved his name into the heart of the U with relentless power and infectious exuberance. His 6'4", 280-pound frame housed a warrior spirit, racking up 23 starts and terrorizing opposing quarterbacks along the way. Now, Pata's journey wasn't just about sacks and tackles. He embodied the immigrant dream, a first-generation American whose parents arrived from Haiti just a decade earlier. This young man found strength, purpose, and common ground with his peers on the gridiron. His story resonated with Miami's diverse community, symbolizing triumph over adversity. 
Now, Pata's infectious energy and leadership made him a beacon for his teammates on the field, and his booming laugh echoing throughout the locker room, brightening any dark day after practice. Now, Brian's story came to symbolize a notion and absolute brilliance that exists outside the confines of a sports field. It was about seizing every chance for development and leaving a lasting impression outside the game. But tragedy unfolded November 7th, 2006, marking an irreversible turning point in Brian's promising life. After routine football practice, Brian returned to his apartment in Kendall, Florida, just like any other evening. However, as he approached his residence, familiar surroundings, the night's tranquility was shattered soon after he stepped out of his vehicle. In a heart-wrenching turn of events, Brian was found fatally shot in the head in a parking lot of Miami's apartment complex where he lived. The once serene community, now forever marked by the echoes of a tragic night, became a backdrop to the event that left the surviving tenants in disbelief. The news of Brian Potter's untimely death sent ripples of sorrow not only through Miami Hurricanes community, but throughout the city at large. The Miami-Dade police swiftly labeled it a homicide. And as years passed, the mystery became a haunting specter, casting shadows over the memories of a young man taken too soon. The community was united in grief and clung to hope for resolution. There were no major suspects. There was no major breaks in the case. There was not a clue of what really was going on and what happened to this young man that somebody would become so angry that they would take a firearm and shoot him dead. Now, recently, on August 19th, 2021, a significant breakthrough occurred. A suspect was charged with what appears in the reports was described as some tips from citizens, cell phone records, and an eyewitness account that mysteriously appeared. Former teammate Rashawn Jones, almost 15 years after the incident, and Jones, 35 years old at this point, was arrested in Ocala, Florida, and was charged with the cold case murder that had haunted the community for nearly 15 years. Recent revelations unveiled a complex backstory, suggesting tensions between Brian and Jones. Now, allegedly, Brian Potter had previously beaten up Jones during a physical altercation, and there were claims that Jones had threatened Potter before the tragic incident, adding a layer of complexity to the relationship. About two months before the homicide, prosecutors claimed that, quote, Potter had told his brother Edward that Jones had allegedly threatened to shoot him in the head, unquote. The defensive lineman's brother pleaded with him to report the incident to the authorities, but Potter refused, and he was later found dead of that gunshot wound that was promised earlier, possibly from Jones. The legal procedure proceeded the following months and was looking into the specifics of that fateful night. At the time of the shooting, Jones told investigators that he had never left his home that day. However, the district attorney claimed that the cell phone records and eyewitness allegedly placed him near the scene of that crime where Brian Potter ended up dead. 
Friends and relatives of the Miami Hurricanes community were watching intently, hoping this would finally solve the year's worth of unanswered questions. Law experts offered their perspectives, and there was a cautious optimism in the community. Everyone acknowledged that the impact of Brian Potter's loss that had left a lasting mark on them, regardless of the outcome of the continuing legal process and what may unfold in that process. At last, a verdict, a significant moment. The courtroom, which had previously stood for uncertainty, was now the resolution location. The verdict's pronouncement represented more than a legal finality for the individual struggling with uncertainty for such a long time. The community was living under that cloud of uncertainty for over a decade was relieved when the legal process ended and closure began with the arrest in the trial that followed, providing some measure of resolve. Now, there had been memorial services at the time of his death and more at this time during this pronouncement of a sentence for Jones. There was assemblies involved in the marks of endurance of the community. And after closure, the community was allowed to move forward with a revitalized sense of cohesion and a common goal. The community paid tribute to Brian's legacy through memorial services and dialogues. Now, some interesting scenes that transpired out of this whole thing. Shortly after Brian's death, the team had gathered uh, and on the field, there was images taken of them in their jerseys without uh, you know, their uniform jerseys without pads on. A giant banner of Brian's image was placed on the field and the team had gathered around it. And right next in front and center of that photograph was the man that was uh, accused of killing him, uh, Jones, standing there by that apparently in mourning for the life of Brian Potta, a man that he was persecuted and accused of killing and serving a sentence this very day. So we have resolution that the murderer has been caught and prosecuted and has been imprisoned, but we lost somebody in the football community. Tragically, for no apparent good reason. There's never a good reason. And we don't know what Brian Potta would have been able to do, not only on a football field, but in life in general. Life lost for no apparent good reason. And that, my friends, is our little bit of history that we get to talk about. It's a sad day, it's a tragic day to talk about, but it's history all the same on the gridiron. And that concludes this edition of our case number three of homicides and Hail Marys here on pigskindispatch.com. We hope you can join us for a next edition and for some more sports history coming up along the way, both here on the podcast and on our YouTube channel, as well as in writing on pigskindispatch.com. Till next time, everybody, have a great gridiron day. That's all the football history we have today, folks. Join us back tomorrow for more of your football history.
we invite you to check out our website, pigskindispatch.com, not only to see the daily football history, but to experience positive football with our many articles on the good people of the game, as well as our own football comic strip, Cleet Marks Comics. Pigskindispatch.com is also on social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel to get all of your positive football news and history. Special thanks to the talents of Mike and Gene Monroe, as well as Jason Neff for letting us use their music during our podcast. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com.